This podcast is for anyone that works with clients at an ad or marketing agency, also known as a sued traditionally. This is your chance to hear from client service veterans and other industry professionals on everything advertising and account management related. My hope is every episode will all get a little better at what we do every day. What is up, listeners? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of SuitsCast. This is your host, Brooklyn Cravens. If you close your eyes and you think of cities around America where advertising is a big deal, Ad Week, Ad Age, talk about these cities, there's a good chance that Atlanta is going to be on that list. And that's actually where our guest comes from today. Super excited to have her on. Her name is Allison Bauman, and she is an experienced account director with over seven years of experience in the ad industry, most of that time being in a client service role. Uh, most recently, she's been an account director at Ogilvy & Mather in Atlanta on the Intercontinental Hotel Group account even though being an agency employee, being based client side, and that's a unique position she was in. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, But even before then, she worked on some pretty cool accounts like Home Depot. She didn't just oversee strategy and do the client service thing. She also has great experience rolling up her sleeves, digging into the actual execution of things like traditional media, digital media, also some of the more unique opportunities like loyalty programs and merchandising, and really that ability to just dig into a client's market marketing department and business, staying ahead of your client, looking for ways to educate them is also going to be another big topic that we talk about. So again, super happy to have her on the show. Do got to be transparent. I know Allison because her dad, he's a pretty funny and great guy. He's actually the CEO of Benedict Advertising, the agency that I used to work at. But aside from that, again, she's got an amazing amount of experience that uh, makes me really happy to have her on here. How you doing, Allison? I'm doing great, Brooklyn. How are you? No complaints. Doing great. Doing great. So just kind of diving into things a little bit, I'm really fascinated that most recently you've been uh, in-house with Intercontinental Hotel Group while still being an employee technically of Ogilvy & Mather. Can you talk a little bit about your experience of being in a position like that and managing an account when you're in-house like that? Yeah, so you're exactly right. I am... I actually, it all kind of began when I was in-house at Home Depot for an agency called Big Red Rooster. And so um, Ogilvy had my resume because I had a friend who worked there and she had left and gone and I kind of forgot about them. And they reached out to me um, because they knew I had that experience in-house at Home Depot. So they were looking for someone who could handle being in-house at Intercontinental Hotels Group. We can call it IHG if we want a little simplify there. Um, Perfect. And so I actually had my own desk on the 25th floor, which happened to be the IT department. So (laughs) quiet. Um, but I had a window It was amazing. And, um, I worked with anyone in the building who needs print or digital creative that I'll liaison with my team over at Ogilvy. And really, um, it was a different experience than being in-house, say, with the Home Depot. So there I was um, on the same floor as my clients. And so they could just run over you know, to your desk uh, if they needed anything. Fast forward to IHG is a little different with since I was on the IT floor. They were really respectful and would set up appointments with me if they needed um, to talk about a project. Like... Um, give me a phone call or shoot me a quick note. But it was so great that I was already on site. We could go meet in the lobby on the 20th floor. 
and talk through the project face to face to really, I can dive in deeper that way and really get to know what they need. Sometimes it can be hard for the client to even know what they're looking for. They just, they know they have a problem or they know they have maybe a budget and they want to, um, know what they can do with that. So it's definitely, um, very different. It was, um, really quiet. And sometimes I would say I was on an Island by myself because, you know, my agency was, you know, maybe 15 miles away over at Atlantic station. And so it could, it was, a, a could be hard at times, but at the same facet for about a year, I had a creative on site with me as well. So we were this little dream team together, um, knocking projects out for IHG. So that was really fantastic too. Yeah, that's cool. And I have talked with some guests on the show before about how shadowing a client can be one of the most valuable things. So I can totally see how being completely in-house with a client for an extended period of time will definitely take that a few steps further. Now, you mentioned that the the uh, the agency Ogilvy Mather uh, has been 15 miles or so, I think, away from IHG's headquarters. So when you have like a, a need to have a creative meeting or just any time touch base, do you have a day of the week that you typically go back to the agency? Would you do like the the Skype conference call thing? No, yeah, you're you're right on the first part. I could spend say Monday, Wednesday, Friday at IHG, and then I could do Tuesday and Thursday at the at the main office at Ogilvy. And, and really switch it up week by week, switch it up with whatever the client needed. So if we had a hot project going on, I could be with them at IHG, talk them through that. And then maybe even that afternoon, go back to Ogilvy, um, which is actually across the street from where I live. So um, that was always easy on my commute home. I could just drop off back at the office, talk to my creatives about what that project is face to face again. Um, if they weren't busy <laughs> and, right. um, and, and then, so they can hit the ground running so that I'm back in at IHG the next day while they're, um, handling the, the creative for that. So it was really nice. Yeah, that sounds interesting. And I think one of the, the nice things as you know, from before you were uh, over at IHG directly is that having that space from a client helps if they send over a, a difficult email or you have a tough meeting, it's easy to kind of get a little bit of breathing room because that distance and able to, you're able to kind of recollect and think of a response and how to kind of tackle it. And so I, I wonder some of those, what I like to call client shenanigans, whether it be, you know, having a difficult client, changing an ad too many times, them being non-responsive. When you are in an environment where you are directly there in-house all the time, are some of those client shenanigans are they amplified? Are they alleviated? What does that look like when you are based in-house, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I would say um, a lot of them can be alleviated in some ways. You know, uh, clients probably not, you know, they're not going to ignore my email because they know that, you know, I'm just a floor away and um, we can kind of communicate a lot easier that way. Um I think it helps. It, it did sometimes help cut down on rounds of revisions because I spoke with them in person face to face and got to hear exactly what they wanted for the creative. Now I won't say it always, um, you know, for every project cut down on rounds of uh, revisions, but I definitely think that it, it did help. And, and they always knew that I could be there, um, if they needed anything. And so there was also that sense of just, them knowing that I'm there, I think could, could help them in ways, you know, they might 
have a phone call and there's a hot project. And so they might get a little panicked. And so hopefully I was there to alleviate some of that panic for them by letting them know we can handle this quickly. You know, when I was with the H and O team, Hogarth and Ogilvy, it's more of uh, the production side of things. So really quick turnarounds. You know, the joke was like, is this due yesterday? Because it's so hot. Um, (laughs) But it was really nice. You work with so many different clients. And so the word or the abbreviations ASAP, I think, means a lot of different things to different people. Very true. And so being face to face with them, I could say, okay, does this mean you need, you know, your digital banner ad by tomorrow? Or is it next week? Or is it in an hour? So we kind of talk through those things. And I'm able to dive deeper and ask lots of questions. So I think that definitely alleviates a lot of the shenanigans, you could say. But say, um, when I was in house with Home Depot, because the clients were on that same floor, um, they could walk up and then you, you have to go speak with your designer. They could potentially still hear you. And so you're, right. you're not in your agency world where you can talk to your designer and maybe we're using profanity or, you know, right. to just to kind of communicate the way we do. But we wanted to always make sure we were much more buttoned up. So yeah, that's good. You're kind of adapting. You're this chameleon going back and forth um, from agency to client. Yeah. That's really funny you say that. Your uh, your your father has actually used that analogy quite a bit uh, with us, which is a, it's, it's a great saying. But uh, yeah, and I, I think it's cool that you really mostly, I think, from the in-house side of things, take a positive spin on it. And it does sound like, you know, depending on the client and how the physical space setup is, it really would affect the environment of being able to communicate. But overall, is I think that was a good insight. Now, I think when you look at your experience in the ad industry in general, and most of your time over your career has not been in-house versus a lot of your time has been, you know, do you think having a team or an account person, what have you, being in-house client side, do you think that's something that agencies should do more? Is it almost like a, a boundary maybe that there, it shouldn't be crossed to a degree? Or I guess, you know, what, what's kind of been your biggest takeaway um, from your experience so far? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think it does depend on the client and potentially the type of business that you're doing. I think... As a whole, it probably is best to keep them separate, but does that help with our communication with them? You know, are we having weekly meetings with them in person, maybe just to make sure that we're still on track for things? So um, I would say that I probably prefer keeping them separate just because we have such a tight ship the way that we run it at Ogilvy. You know, I'm coordinating, I'm going to whip up that paperwork for my finance department to get the SOW going, to get the estimates approved so I can send that off to the client because we can't even begin working. You know, say we're not on retainer for this project, we need their sign off as quickly as possible to be moving on that. And so that could be a bit of a bonus when I was in house, I could run up the paperwork really quickly and get that signature in person. Whereas, you know, you could be waiting on an email for multiple days if you're even just 15 miles away. So I definitely see both sides of the coin. And I think, um, 
like I said, it definitely depends on the type of business and the client. But I think we have such a great process at Ogilvy that when we're all in that building together, it can be so seamless. I mean, so like I said, I'm sending the paperwork off to finance. And as soon as I can get that signed, or even before it's signed, I'm whipping up my paperwork for my traffic department to go drop that off with the creative team. That's pretty nice. Just the temptation of, uh, you know, oh, wow, I can get this approved now versus a couple of days. That's got to be awesome. Exactly. I know. I've spent weeks chasing clients before and you're not really sure why. And sometimes it's their priorities are changing on the daily. So, um, but it's, it's, I've always loved when I, I work with a client who's really responsive like I am and I can, I can bang a project out pretty quickly if we can get all our ducks in a row. Oh, for sure. And, and I think that evaluating it on a case-by-case basis, like so many other parts of advertising is 100% the best way to go. But I think it is a good rule of thumb, like what you're saying, more communication with the client is almost never going to be a bad thing. And if there is an opportunity to communicate more, even if you can't necessarily go in-house with a client, just looking for ways that you can spend more time physically with them in their natural environment seems like a great opportunity. So I think that is a good piece of advice there. Shifting a little bit uh, away from that, I think that one of the great challenges as an AE is, uh, especially if you are in-house, is staying in front of the client's business, um, always looking for trends in their side of things, whether it be marketing or just business development or just really what have you, and finding those ways to educate them. That's a great value point is being able to show a client something new about what they do every day. And I'm really fascinated at the fact that with you, a lot of suits kind of just get into liaising and talking, quite frankly, but you actually have a lot of experience actually launching campaigns and getting in there. Um, How would you say that you've really accomplished being able to dig into these things, staying in front of clients, finding ways to educate them? How have you done this successfully in your career? Yeah, so it's definitely, um, I I consider it part of my job almost. Um, Even though you have your full-time job, you still need to be always reading. I think to me, reading is the most important thing. My, my dad always wants, uh, you know, recommends reading the wall street journal every day, cover to cover. He sure does. <laughs> you guys all know that. And um, oh, yes. for me, I, I, he, I think he knows that I go more digital. And so just even having my homepage as ad age really helps me, you know, anytime I open a new tab, I can, I can see a new story, but then taking it a step further for my client, making sure that I I have their names all on Google alerts, um, making sure that I'm reading up on for IHC is the hotel industry. And, you know, these OTAs, as we call them, the price line and the, the online travel agencies are really our main competition. Um, you know, IHC is always wanting you to book direct. So I'm constantly, um, researching and learning more about the industry. And we were even recently working on as the account team creating a blog for IHG that would be internal for them. But it's really to keep them up on these trends. And I wrote a recent blog post about the digital concierge. So I really, I try every day, you know, even your day is so busy, but just if you can read a couple articles about the industry um, each day, it's really going to give you that confidence that you need to go into the client and let them know that we are the, have the knowledge on this business and we are the leaders in this industry. So, you know, I think that's really important. Well, and I think again, it's really cool that you haven't just 
done a good job of getting into a habit of reading and staying educated, but you actually will go and do a lot of the things that you're educating yourself on in the marketing sphere. Like you mentioned, getting getting the IHG blog set up to compete with some of the direct travel agencies. I guess, can you talk a little bit about you know the importance in your mind for growing new skills as a client service person? Like I said, I think when you're in account service, it's very easy, especially as you go bigger with the agency, uh, it's easier to kind of get locked into your day-to-day, all right, I've got my my account account service hat and I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to make sure we're on task and that's it. But I think there is an opportunity to always grow what we're doing. Can you talk about why this has been something important for you personally? Yeah, I agree with you that I think it's, it's really important. I always kind of want to be the person who tells other people about things. So um, I'm, I'm lucky that my boyfriend, Wilson, um, works for IBM in the user experience department for Apple and IBM. And Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's fantastic. So proud of him. And But what's even more fun is because he's kind of in a similar industry as me, um, when we both come home from work, we can talk about uh, the latest trends and things going on. And, and for us, it's a lot about um, I would say AI, I would say, um, I know it sounds crazy, but like robots and, and just the future of the world that's going on that I want to be educated in those areas so that I can apply them to my clients industries. Yeah, it's true. And I think you definitely have to be kind of in love, I think, just with the the industry itself. And just you, you got to want to kind of apply everything you hear to what you do on a daily basis with clients. So, uh, but no, that, that is cool. You get that unique perspective. And, you know, being at IBM on the UI side, I was going to say, it sounds like those IT people you sit around have had a, a positive influence on you. Right, exactly. <laughs> Because there is so much to learn and do in a typical day dealing with clients, dealing with agency teams, it does get pretty busy, as I know you can attest to. What's something that you do every day uh, that either helps you either helps you disconnect or refresh from it all and just stay on track and be productive? Yeah, so um, there's lots of days when we are so busy, we eat lunch at our desk, and um, it can be really tough. I, you know, you're you're so busy, you're not even running to the restroom because it's just there's no time. <laughs> but I've oh, I've really um, found it helpful in my day to day of if you do take that lunch break and just walk outside for even five minutes, you can just kind of come back and be refreshed and. And it actually helps you finish your 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 day on a better note. So I mean, I know it might sound crazy in the in the industry, but I do recommend taking a lunch break um, if you can. A lot of days it, there was not even really time to eat, let alone <laughs> take a break right. and get in your car. Um, you know, we would. Um, my old boss would refer to this other little tip is just a walkabout. We have a pretty big floor. Um, and so just go take a lap, you know, like go and, um, do a mini meditation as you, as you walk around. Um, I do it sometimes even when I'm going to the printer, you know, I'm going to pick up something at the printer and just take a little moment to yourself to, um, not get so caught up in, okay, I'm marking this off my, my checklist and, um, things are crazy. Take a moment for yourself because it really will benefit, um, everyone I think in the end. And one other little tip that I just have is every day 
when I come to the office, I write my new to-do list out on a piece of paper, um, in my notebook. And it's, it's a new to-do list every day, even if some items carry over, call me OCD, but I really, I like checking things (laughs) off a list a lot. Um, you get that little sense of accomplishment. And I also, you know, I think you can't keep everything in your mind and, and you have to, if you're getting stressed out, well, maybe it's because you have too many things going on. So write it down, you know, write, write all these little tasks down. And if it takes under five minutes, maybe don't write it down. Just go ahead and do it. Yeah. And I can totally attest to the satisfaction of having a a daily to-do list that you just check in the morning, make some edits to it and check it again at the end of the day, just to make sure you're covered. I think, uh, I think all account executives were known for being pretty type A that I don't think anyone would say that checking off a a, a to-do box is anything less than super satisfying. So I I had an old, um, boss who was actually my resource. It was a little funny, but, um, he was a digital guy and he told me in the interview, I hate lists. And I almost had a heart attack, but I thought to myself, (laughs) you know, you can hate them. Let me handle them. we can work right. that way. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, kudos, kudos to any account people that that aren't running in 50 different directions and are able to kind of keep everything in that mind without writing it down. I I like that. That's an admirable quality yeah. now. Um, I guess kind of shifting the conversation a little bit to kind of talking about trends and this kind of, uh, you know, the ability to disconnect and refresh plays into this a little bit. But what is it like being in the Atlanta market? Uh, it's definitely a, a market that has seen a lot of growth, um, especially in the the video category, I feel like with some of the the tax incentives that the state of Georgia provides. What's what's it like being in Atlanta, being in the agency account management space, working in that kind of market? Yeah. So from a video, um, you know, a film perspective, it's really exciting for me because I love movies so much and I always have. And so to go see a movie like Baby Driver, or um, I think even Black Panther filmed in Georgia is just really prideful for me. And um, I watch a lot of TV. I'm like a TV-aholic. I'm so shameful. Are we all Netflix and chill? (laughs) Yes. And so anytime I see that made in Georgia at the end, I'm just so proud of our state. And I just feel like Atlanta is this powerhouse that is sometimes... um, not as well known, you know, it's not in New York and, and, or in LA, but we really are, I think kind of, kind of slowly, but surely moving in that direction of becoming, um, the place to be now, I would say. And definitely from an advertising perspective, you know, it's just incredible. All the agencies that we have in Atlanta, you you would think we're a smaller state, but we have so much going on in a small area. And I think the traffic would definitely let you know that. <laughs> but <For sure. laughs> to me, it's just a really exciting time to be in Atlanta. I, uh, we moved here when I was in second grade. And so, you know, people say, where are you from? And, and I definitely say Atlanta, but they question me sometimes because I don't have a huge Southern accent, but um, to me, I'm I'm definitely proud to call this uh, my home. Uh, trust me, when uh, when people find out that I am born in Kentucky, I usually get some very weird stares that I've got a pretty plain English accent. So <laughs> <laughs> I would have never 
<laughs> yeah, no, most, most grew up in South Florida, but, uh, born in Kentucky, a little known fact. So, but no, and that's, that's, uh, that's, that's cool. And, and Atlanta has been a really cool place. I travel there quite a bit and I always have over the years. So it's just cool to see that place grow continually. Um, I guess as we kind of wind down a little bit, it's crazy how quickly the time always goes by when I'm having a good time with a guest. Um, just again, kind of continuing that train of trend. I was really fascinating when you brought up the topic of AI, because it really is starting to command just about everything in particular machine learning when it comes to trying to figure out the things that we're looking for. I think one of the big trends that has been in the news lately has been Amazon specifically related to search, you know, people looking for things on item or on devices like uh, the Alexa devices, the Echo devices. And in particular, I think it was either 2015 or 2016, there was a study that said over half of all retail specific searches begin on Amazon and not Google. And I'm sure that number has only grown in the past two, three years. So um, what do you think? Is Amazon really taking over search? It's definitely possible. I myself love my Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. I live in a high rise. And so I'm always going down to get my packages. Don't tell my dad. He thinks millennials. <laughs> no, he knows. <laughs> and um, I think Amazon is really leading the way. It, does that mean that no one else is going to try to get in the game? I would say no. But for me, oh man, Amazon really is hitting it hard. And I was really excited when I thought their headquarters would be here potentially in Atlanta. It may not work out that way anymore, but um, it was really cool to hear just because it's such a growing company and yes, search, but you know, I have Amazon video and I'm watching HBO through my Amazon and not through my Comcast. So there's so much going on that, um, I definitely think they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. Oh, 100%. And it'll be interesting to see how much the machine learning plays uh, a part in just kind of further refining what you're looking for and kind of getting away from the things that you don't seem to be looking for. I read an article on, it was actually Wall Street Journal, I believe, uh, just about a week ago that said that big brands are starting to get scared because if you're, if you're asking Alexa or Siri or Cortana, whoever, for something that you're looking to buy and it's only giving you a limited set of options and you buy from that, you know, we're almost moving into a way where even we're letting go of, of an element of choice just to get whatever's kind of put in front of us as long as the price makes sense, which I think in some ways is cool because it simplifies things, but it could be a little scary too. But I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out, right? Right. I, um, for me and the search with Alexa and Echo, I haven't purchased them yet, but i try with Siri and I don't even have the iPhone 10 or any, you know, X or anything, but, um, she never can give me what I want. So I wonder if Alexa would understand what I'm looking for, what I'm asking, but I would definitely be willing to, to try it out. And I see a lot of people who use them. I see people's Instagram stories where they're always using and, and people seem to really, um, enjoy it. And, and if it simplifies their life, then I think that's a good thing. But at the same time, just like you said, if it's only offering up these two options, you know, there could definitely be a cheaper or a better option out there. It can be a little risky. So I definitely see both sides of it. 
Yeah, well, I I can tell you, I I am a huge Amazon fan, but for the longest time, I did resist getting an Echo device because the the kind of the, the the controversy I think in the beginning about the always listening thing really bugged me. But first of all, I'll say that Alexa absolutely beats the pants off of Siri in just about every way. And I will also say that after not having an Echo device for we've had one for about a year, we use it for so much. Whether it's buying little things to uh, asking when certain things open and close in our area to using it as a timer my wife likes to cook it, it really is incredible and i promise i promise to my listeners that amazon is not a sponsor of the show but oh my gosh i love the echo device i, I highly recommend getting one hopefully one day they will be sponsoring the show oh that would be absolutely <laughs> lovely and if anyone from amazon is listening please shoot me an email so but yeah well allison i think we unfortunately are just about running out of our time and i always like to end every episode with a curveball question that i don't think you were expecting okay. since we were talking about a AI, your curveball question is, so let's say you pick up an AI or a robot, Android, whatever you would like to think of it. What is its name and what does it specialize in? Ooh, curveball question. I like it. Well, I have lots of questions, you know, it, is it a girl <laughs> or a boy robot? I, I can't, maybe it wants to name itself. So um, I would really want to get to know it better before I went ahead and named it, but maybe something like Rosie, a throwback to the jet, the Jetsons. Um, yes. cause she was amazing and I would have it clean and cook and do everything for me. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a perfect answer. I like it. And yes, hearkening back to the Jetsons is always a good idea. So Allison, thank you for being on the show. It was a pleasure talking to you and getting your insights from how you've been doing account management over the years. And uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you and just to kind of pick your brain on account management stuff, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So they can always hit me up on LinkedIn, Allison Bauman, or I have my Gmail, ambauman272 at gmail.com in the Atlanta area and always looking to chat all things account. Perfect. Well, I will put those things in the show notes for sure. And uh, thanks again for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you. Brooklyn, thank you so much. This was really, really great. And a huge thank you to all the guy and gal listeners out there. This is the end of another episode of SuitsCast. If you ever have a burning question you'd love to hear addressed in the show, or maybe you just want to get in touch with me and leave some feedback, I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email at suitscast at gmail.com. One more time, that's suitscast at gmail.com. And lastly, if you'd like to support SuitsCast, there are two ways you can do so. The first way, if you haven't done so already, is to subscribe so you'll know exactly when the next episode is ready for your next listening session. And secondly, head on over to Apple Podcasts app if you aren't already there and leave a review for the show. Let me know and potential listeners know exactly what your thoughts are on SuitsCast. And with that, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again so much. See you next time and Suits out.